Be Wealthy and Smart, episode 456. into a world of wealth and financial freedom without budgets, boredom, or bosses on Be Wealthy and Smart. And now, here's your host, Linda P. Jones. Welcome to Be Wealthy and Smart. I'm Linda P. Jones, America's Wealth Mentor, empowering women and men worldwide to financial freedom. On today's show, we're going to talk about why you need small caps in your portfolio. And this may seem like it's a little different topic. Or you might be thinking, well, good, I've been wondering about small caps. Well, first of all, what are small caps? It means small capitalization, which is typically defined as a market value of 400 million to 1.8 billion when they are a small cap. Small cap means they're smaller companies. Sometimes these are companies that you've never heard of because they're pretty small, they're newer perhaps, haven't been around as long sometimes, and they haven't grown into the huge companies that you're used to, that you've been buying brands that are household names for years and years. These are the companies before they're really household names. And sometimes they're companies that the larger companies buy out and want to absorb into their company and get rid of the competition, frankly. And sometimes they are companies that go on and grow to become behemoths. So we had smaller companies such as Facebook and Google grow into these monster, huge companies. Same with Apple, of course, started by Steve Jobs in a garage and had success, then trouble, and then tremendous success. So different things happen over time with these smaller companies. But the small companies are something that you want in your portfolio. And one mistake I see a lot of people making is they plop an ETF, an exchange traded fund, an index of the S&P 500, for example, in their portfolio and say, okay, that's it, all my investing is done. And what you're not getting is the growth from the smaller companies. You're just getting the larger 500 companies in the United States, the largest, if you will, 500 companies in the US in the S&P 500 index. The smaller companies, they're like the speedboats. And the large companies are like the big tanker ships that takes them a long time to turn around if they're a large company. If they're smaller, like a speedboat, they can turn on a dime. They can hire people, fire people, change products, uh, add a new product line. Uh, They can be very versatile. They can be very flexible. They can outsource easily they can get a lot more bang for their buck because they're small. So any improvement is gonna make a big difference to their bottom line. So my point is really that these small companies have a place in your portfolio. And small companies can also grow into kind of the medium size company, which is mid caps. So you wanna have small and mid caps in your portfolio. But today we're really gonna focus on the small caps. And I wanna share with you an article from Investors Business Daily written by Juan Carlos Arancibia. 
and it is talking about small caps. I'm only going to read part of this article, but I thought there was some good information in here. And he says, the small cap S&P 600 is up 15.5% in 2018, more than doubling the 7.4% increase in the S&P 500. The success of small caps in 2018 has several reasons. One is that trade disputes with China, Canada, and other nations left multinationals more vulnerable, while small caps have smaller exposure to international markets. Roughly 80% of small cap sales come from within the U.S. versus about 70% of S&P 500 revenues, according to a Cabot Wealth Network report. Moreover, the U.S. economy is performing better than those of most other industrialized countries. So I want to stop right there and say, yes, the U.S. market is performing so much better than foreign countries this year. In fact, as I look at overseas stocks such as India, Japan, the Pacific region, European region, emerging markets, China, Latin America, they all have negative returns year to date every single one of them. So they've been having a difficult time this year for the first three quarters of this year, let's say. And so the US market being up 9.59% on the S&P index and 22% year to date for the small cap growth index is really doing a whole lot better than these overseas stocks. The other thing I want to say is that even though small caps are outperforming right now and are doing a lot better than other sectors, it doesn't mean that you want to only have these in your portfolio either. You need to have a broad diversification. I always talk about large cap, mid cap, small cap, international, REIT, some short term bonds and other things in your portfolio to balance out your asset allocation. And if you haven't listened to some of my podcasts about asset allocation, I have several. And I talk about how to put your portfolio together and how to determine what your asset allocation should be. So I'm not just saying put it all in small caps either. So I want to be really clear about that. It's that it's part of a diversified portfolio. And my point is that a lot of people don't diversify with smaller companies. They just plop everything into larger companies like the S&P 500 and think they're well diversified. And you're really not because you're in one sector of the market, but you're missing out on perhaps another sector like small caps where the best performance is. And we're certainly seeing that to be true right now. All right, let's continue on with this article. Small caps tend to outperform in economic expansions, Cabot adds. Also, the corporate tax cut brought the effective tax rate on Russell 2000 companies from 33% to 21%. Let me just stop there and say, yes, the tax cut is helping smaller companies definitely be more profitable. And what is it that impacts the price of a stock more than anything else? It's profitability and consistent profitability and profitability at an increasing rate. So if you're seeing better profitability, whether it's better sales or lower expenses or less taxes, it's just more profitability for companies. So we're seeing companies be more profitable and that benefit a lot of these smaller companies uh, because of the particular tax rate that they were in. 
The article continues on to say, the four ETFs share similar charts and two are carbon copies of each other. That's the Spider S&P 600 small cap growth, symbol SLYG, and iShares S&P small cap 600 growth, symbol IJT. They track the same exact index. It selects companies with growth characteristics and Spider says the average three to five year earnings per share growth rate for the portfolio is nearly 14%. Let me just stop there and say they're commenting that earnings are growing at 14% a year. So that's a very nice average for a three to five year growth rate of earnings, 14%. So that's why you're seeing some of this spectacular performance in the smaller companies. The article goes on to say, both have more than 330 holdings and are primarily invested in five sectors, industrials, healthcare, technology, financials, and consumer discretionary. Both were launched within months of each other in 2000. But there's a sizable difference in the amount of assets. The iShares ETF has 7.23 billion in assets, while the Spider Fund has 2.4 billion. PowerShare's S&P Small Cap Healthcare, symbol PSCH, is the only sector-specific ETF of the four. It tracks an index derived from the S&P 600. It has 70 holdings with nearly 27% of assets in medical equipment and supplies, and an additional 27% in healthcare providers and services. Biotechs and pharmaceuticals make up 23% and 12% respectively, with smaller portions in medical technology and life sciences tools and services. iShares Core S&P Small Cap, IJR, tracks the entire S&P 600. It is the largest of the four ETFs, with $47.56 billion in assets, and is also the largest in terms of holdings. The four ETFs are trading near all-time highs all pulled back to their 50-day moving averages most recently in late July and climbed from those levels. Today they are too extended and investors will need to wait for a new pullback or a new pattern to purchase shares. With the small cap rally well advanced, further gains may be harder to find. The outlook is still favorable though. Small cap earnings are expected to grow faster than the S&P 500 through 2019, Raymond James said in a report. The S&P 600 should see its peak earnings growth in the fourth quarter at almost 32%. End of article. All right, so there you have it. We have a lot of information about small caps, why they're outperforming, and why they should be a part of your portfolio. Now I wanna talk with you about the performance of what different asset classes have done this year. Asset classes are things like the small caps, the mid caps, the large caps, international, etc., that you're going to put in your asset allocation. Let's look at year to date, what's been doing well and what's not doing well. The small cap growths are outperforming everything on a year to date basis of 22.64%. Next is mid cap growth at 15.73, large cap growth at 16.64, the S&P 500 index at 9.59, and mid-cap core at 6.48. So you can see how there's vastly different performance among small caps, mid-caps, and large caps, and that's why you wanna have all of them in your portfolio. I sometimes say it's like a bingo card when you're playing blackout and you just wanna have the squares covered. It's the same thing with your asset allocation. You wanna have the squares 
covered and make sure that you have exposure to some of those in your portfolio. So no matter which one is doing well, you're participating in that great performance. A lot of people right now are missing out on this great small cap performance because they don't have any small caps in their portfolio. They have it all in the S&P 500. Now I already mentioned earlier that overseas stocks have not been performing well. We have India down 6.28% year to date. We have Japan down 2.52% year to date. We have the Pacific region down 3.71 year to date. We have Europe down 1.8% year to date. Emerging markets down 8.69%, China region down 7.91%, and Latin America down 13.88%. So negative returns year to date in all the foreign markets. However, on a three-year average and a five-year average, India is looking very good at 10.46 for a three-year average and 17.63 for a five-year average, doing the best of all the overseas returns. We also have China with a three-year average a little better than India at 11.87, but a five-year average not as good at 8.39%. So again, this is why you wanna have diversification. This is why you wanna make sure and cover all the boxes. This is why you wanna make sure you're not only in the S&P 500 index. All right, so if that's your only holding, I want you to start diversifying among some different asset classes. Make sure that you've got some different boxes covered. Make sure that you've got some diversification, some exposure to these smaller, fast-growing companies that have done well. And I think the article is right. Wait for a dip in order to do that. Wait so that you can buy it on a little bit of a pullback. That's always a smart way to buy is buying when they're down a little bit and not buying at their all-time high. So just a caution note there, I'm not recommending that you go out and purchase something today. This is something that's a strategy that you wanna implement over the next few months and phase it in over time. Don't have to do anything brash or sudden. So just keep it in mind as part of your strategy and part of your overall asset allocation. I'm excited to announce my book was just released called You're Already a Wealth Heiress, Now Think and Act Like One, Six Practical Steps to Make it a Reality Now. The reviews are coming in on Amazon and here's some of the highlights. One person said, when I picked up You're Already a Wealth Heiress, I couldn't put it down because it's so interesting, clear, and really succeeds in demystifying key wealth building methods. Another person said, I bought this in Kindle as I have moved primarily to e-reading. Very quickly realized having the actual book is essential for easier access to reread important parts and make it a book I use versus just reference. I also ordered copies for the important women in my life. Linda has a way of explaining wealth building in a way anyone can understand and get started. It's not a get rich quick scheme, it's practical and doable. And another person said, I can't say enough good things about this book. The advice Linda passes along is extremely easy to follow and provides a clear and easy path to success and building your financial freedom. Loved every word. Well, thank you for those great reviews. And for anyone listening, I hope you'll go and pick up your copy available on Amazon. I'll leave links in the show notes for you to get there and also available at Barnes & Noble and at bookstores. If we haven't already connected on Instagram, go on over to instagram.com forward slash Linda P. Jones and get your wealth building tips. Twice a day, I post easy to do ideas, tips, quotes, fun things over there about wealth building to help you to get to financial freedom faster.
And if you haven't yet subscribed, rated, and reviewed Be Wealthy and Smart, I'd love to hear from you. I especially love to get your review and it would mean a lot if you would also subscribe to the show and you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. That's all for today. Until next time, live the good life and be wealthy and smart. Thank you for listening to Be Wealthy and Smart with Linda P. Jones. Share the wealth and tell your family and friends about the show. Check out our website, blog, and social media for more riches at www.bewealthyandsmart.com.